Can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Those Are the Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory. I'm Bob. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. So today is going to be a very interesting episode. Um, I have my friend Bob Mee, who's coming on. Uh, we went to undergrad together, and um, he is the national field director for Collegians for a Constructive Tomorrow. And he is going to talk about environmental stuff. And if you know me personally, you know I don't know anything about the environment. I do need to work on that. Um, to say I don't care is probably an understatement, um, but I should. I know I should, especially as a Christian. God gave us this land. We should be good stewards over it, blah, blah, blah. So Bob is going to teach me a lot of things, and I hope he'll be teaching you a lot of things. Um, basically, he's just going to be talking about like environmental stuff from a capitalist, free market perspective, which is going to be great because um, I know that when I – and also, too, I asked a lot of you guys, what are some questions you wanted to ask? And a few people reached out and said, like, this is a topic – like, when they switched from being a liberal to a conservative, this is a topic that really frustrated them that conservatives didn't care about. And um, so I'm really excited for him to come and talk a little bit about it. So first, Bob, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, yeah, thank you very much, Mallory. It's great to talk to you again. Um and great to see you again, sort of virtually here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, like I said, I, like Mallory said, I am the national field coordinator for a group called CFACT, right? Which, which is the Collegians for a Constructive Tomorrow. Uh, and we're basically, we promote free market solutions to environmental problems. That's kind of our shtick. That's what we do. Um, and so, anyways, my personal history, I have been involved, I work for a C3 now. CFACT is a 501c3, so we can't endorse political candidates or anything like that. But beforehand, I worked a lot in campaign politics. I worked for C, I worked for C3s as well before, like Young Americans for Liberty, uh, where I was their state director for New Jersey. And then I did, I've done local, state, and federal political campaigns. I've done all sorts of stuff like that. And they've all been, I've been in youth organizing and, and political advocacy since I was about 14 years old. Um, I started off with a group called the Junior State of America, which is nonpartisan. And then once I got to college, I started working in more partisan politics and dealing with that. And that's my background. Yeah. So everyone, he is, he knows politics. I always, all of the quote unquote friends I have on, I do want you guys to understand. I try to get people who like, who know what they're talking about, who are involved in politics some way. So I'm not just asking like a rando I met like last week to give their opinion. Okay, so let's get started. First, I'm going to ask him a few questions that like I thought of, and then I'm going to ask all the questions. Well, not all of them. A good chunk of the ones, maybe he can come back and answer a few more next time. But you guys sent a lot of questions, which I really, really appreciate. Um, I'm happy to come on anytime. Yeah, thank you. So the first question I want to ask is, can you tell us what exactly is environmentalism? Like, what does all of this encompass? Sure. So environmentalism, I mean, when you look at, like you said, you talked about it from a religious perspective earlier, right? There's a, there's a, 
you know, God called us to be stewards of the environment, right? So mm-hmm. we like to call us, we like to call ourselves conservationists at CFACT, right? So conservationists basically say that nature is something beautiful. And if you're of a more religious bent, which I personally am, um, then we are called to conserve what's around us. We are called to conserve this natural beauty. And at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do at CFACT. We're here to try to figure out, okay, listen, we want to make people free, but at the end of the day, we want to keep we want to keep people's individual liberty and keep their ability to prosper. We don't want to have government regulations basically cramming down their throats. But at the same time, we recognize that it's really we've got this beautiful earth that we've been trusted to take custody of, and we need to figure out a way to sort of preserve that. And that's and that's what that's that's what that is. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so next question is why should regular people even care? Like, why should I, just a normal human being living my life, care about the environment? Well, it's for the same reason that we just talked about, right? I mean, you know, this is all of our home. This is our planet. And and every single person here on this earth, obviously, has an interest, a vested interest in making sure that earth is clean, earth is well-kept, earth is beautiful, all of the animals are, are treated humanely. That's something that we all should be interested in because we're we're citizens here. We're all, we all live on this, we're all sharing this rock hurtling through space together, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I agree. That's something I think that, um, we should all consider, especially people who, because I feel like a lot of times I know for me, sometimes I think about like, there's so many other things going on. Why on earth should I care about the environment? I have so many Mm -hmm. other things going on so many other things that seem more important but you're right like we we're all sharing this um this is just yeah you're right and and the other thing about the environment is that it translates into all other issues too i mean every single issue does touch it i mean whether you look at like national security perspective whether you look at it from a from a from a um and see what china's doing in places like africa um and you see all of this other, you know, you look at it from a financial perspective, you look at the complete overregulation that goes on with the Department of Environmental Protection in places like California or New Jersey. You look at, you know, all of the ways in which it affects, like New Jersey just banned black bear hunting, right? Where oh. that's going to affect the suburban homes in the most densely populated state in the country because all of these bears are going to become overpopulated, essentially. And that causes problems for people. Um so there's there's you when you look at the ways the tentacles that the environmental movement sort of has it can it touches into all aspects of people's lives and so we all deserve we all should be interested in it for that purpose. Yeah, honestly the bears thing just literally clicked something in my head. That's not something I have ever huh. thought about and I never thought about it from like an environmental perspective, but you're right. Like that people who live like you said in the in those areas Black bears are going to be a really, they're going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, we are, we've already seen it. There have been spikes in, there have been spikes in recorded bear sightings and bear to human interactions in New Jersey. Uh, I think there was something, I think there were, there have been a few hundred already within the last few months since it's happened. Um, yeah. So it's scary. And, and that, and that affects people's livelihoods, you know, and that affects people's lives. And so that's just one issue. There's a myriad of others. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if this has anything to do with the environment, but I was thinking about this. Like, um, 
I feel like the animals, when everybody was on lockdown, at least here in uh-huh. North Carolina, I feel like the animals could feel something was off. Because I honestly, I feel like I saw a lot more like turtles just out in the street, like um, when I would go huh. to the grocery store. So just tiny things. It just seemed like every, all the animals felt like, oh, I have a little bit more free reign right now. Or like that video. I don't know if you saw the video. It was like a bunch of goats or something. A couple a couple of weeks or months ago at this point, people just, I think animals um, just thought, oh, look, there's no humans. It's free reign. Well, you know, that's that's what happens when you have in, in, a, in a normal environment. That is what happens when you have issues with overpopulation. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that's something that we deal with a little bit at CFACT as well. So yeah. anyways, I'm sorry. I cut you off from your earlier question. Pardon no, me. no, 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 no. No, 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 you're good, you're good. And we will get to overpopulation. Um, so okay. next question is, I believe it was AOC. It was some politician that said that we will die in 12 years because of the way we're taking care of the environment and the earth. And I have cousins, like younger cousins that are in school, mm-hmm. and they talk about the environment a lot in school, which is great. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But I remember talking to her and she like is legitimately afraid that something is going to happen like that are because of just the way they talk about it and things like that. Is that is the world dying in 12 years? Is that plausible? What is the deal with that? Where is that coming from? Why do people think that? How do we talk to people who believe that? So there's a great book about this, actually, that I that I just got done reading today called Uh, Apocalypse Never by Michael Schellenberger. And he's one of the scientists out there. The reality is one one of the things that the left does about any environmental issue is that they 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 create these sort of weird scenarios where they they only chump at the scientists that agree with them. And and you've seen some of this with covid, too. Uh, But a lot of the scientists that you um, that's not related to the environment, obviously, but a lot of scientists like Roy Spencer, uh, Judith Curry, William Hopper, like I said, Michael Schellenberger, Bjorn Lomberg is another one. There are there are a lot of other scientists out there that are trying to say, well, wait a second. This 12-year figure is definitely not true. Um, and part of the reason is because of the fact that, like you said, the incremental rises in the actual um, Celsius temperatures that they're talking about just don't have the necessary effects that they're, that they're trying to say. So, you know, they've basically said that we've risen – one degree Celsius over the past, I think it's the past 20 or 30 years. And if we rise another 0.5 degrees, then that's going to trigger, you know, Chicken Little is going to come running out and say that the sky is falling. That's patently ridiculous because nothing bad has happened. As a matter of fact, the ocean levels have stayed, the ocean levels have risen in the period of time in which they're talking about that that original one one degree of Celsius or one degree of centigrade um, rose, the ocean levels rose proportionally with that. So, you know, or it's, it's just like they haven't risen to the level that the left is claiming. So there's a lot of other scientists out there that have been talking about this other types of issue, um, you know, that the left is basically just choking out and they don't want to do it. And so the reality is that, yes, the climate is changing. Yes, we have an impact. But the idea that the Statue of Liberty is going to be underwater in a decade or so because the global temperature rises by 0.5 degrees Celsius is really nothing short of fear mongering in order for the left to just grab onto their power. So the reality yeah. is when you deal with stuff like this with Beto O'Rourke or with AOC or with any of these people, 
you have to look at the incentive structure behind it. This is ultimately they're creating they're they're hyping up these climate narratives, right? And proposing these false solutions that in reality A won't work, B a lot of times will make the gov- make the climate worse off, and C they basically terrorize the people into thinking that you know, government is the only answer. I mean, one of the most and and D in order to do that, they choke off all these other scientists. Like I said, Bjorn Lomberg is another one. And Michael Schellenberger, the guy whose book that I recommend. I recommend Lomberg's book, too. He's got a couple other great ones out there. Um, but I just got done reading Schellenberger, so that's hot off my mind. Um, and one of the most tragic effects of it is the amount of psychological damage that it does do to our youth. That's yeah. really, really sad to see that type of stuff. And they create this environment, and not just our youth, but everybody feels this way. I mean, this is why, you know, people are going crazy about this issue because of the fact that, you know, people believe that these dire consequences are going to take place. And the only reason they believe that is because the left is anti-science, because they choke out all of the other people. Science isn't, science isn't made by consensus. So you need to incorporate other scientists' opinions when you're talking about some sort of scientific issue, you know. And in order to promote their own Trojan horse to gain government power, frankly, they choke out all of the other scientists, essentially, and they cease them. They, they refuse to give them air. And that's a serious, serious problem for our mental health and for our political future as well. Because, again, the only, when the only solution is government, you can't have the government can't get small enough or the government can't get big enough. Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Both of those are, my, I think that's the reason why I like kind of stray away from it. Both of those things are two of my biggest problems with this topic is the mm-hmm. fear mongering. Um, because I mean, I have friends too, not just like my little cousin, but I have friends who are really, really into the environment stuff. And like their concern is, you can see how concerned and like scared they are. And then also too, I just, the only people it seems like who have solutions are the government and I don't Mm -hmm. want the government. And also too, like, it's a, it's a good money way. Like, um, and this is just like something small, but like, uh, organization or, um, like businesses that do, I think it's like green. I I don't forget what it's called, but like when Starbucks, you know, gets rid of the paper or gets rid of the plastic Mm -hmm. straws, like then people, Oh, okay. I guess I'll shop. I'll go to Starbucks now. Like it's a lot of, it's money in being environmentally quote unquote friendly. So yeah, that's, those are very big concerns of mine. Right. And the thing with the plastic straws is hysterical too, because at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's just so dead. It's not founded in science. I mean, 20, something like 20% of all plastic in the ocean comes from places like China, right? Oh, wow. And China, Malaysia, Indonesia, and the United States accounts for less than 1% of all of that. So, really? you know, wow. a less than 1% of all plastic. And the majority of our plastic isn't even plastic straws or anything like that. It's It's got to do more with like bags and with all sorts of other trash and you know there's other things it's it's definitely not the straws so these companies it's it's nothing but virtue signaling i was Um, about to say i think they just grabbed onto something that they could easily change right and there's there's plenty of companies out there that are funding um that are going into actually going out there and cleaning up blue like trying to make the ocean more blue um and you know in, in turn providing jobs for people in some of the poorest countries in the world and 
none of these companies are donating anything to support them. You know, mm. so they're they're not in a lot of way they're not serious about what they're what the problem that they're claiming to fight actually is. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. I really do think a lot of it is just um, say that we're doing this so that people mm-hmm. know, and they're going to want to. They're more likely to shop with us if they know that we're trying to save money or we're trying to save the environment. Come do yeah. this. It's definitely virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. So my next question is: How do we talk to our liberal friends? who think that is going to die, we're going to die in 12 years, who think that the straws are the biggest problem. How do we get to them? What are some things that we can, like, I don't know, maybe some, I don't know, like, how do you, we just dialogue with them, not necessarily change their minds, but have conversations. Well, the first thing that you have to do is understand where, where, what your own fact pattern is and your own basis. And I would, I would direct people again, like I said, to the books that I just recommended, most importantly, I would devote them. I would direct them to the CFACT website where we do a lot of research at CFACT.org or CFACTcampus.org, which is our website on the collegian side. Um, those are two great resources for information. Um, and then secondly, I would just say, you know, you have to show a little bit of empathy. You have to say, OK, well, we're going to we understand that these people have been whipped up into this cult of fear, essentially, and they're terrified. So reacting with histrionics and reacting with anything other than a calm, cool, and collected head, which you can only get by doing some research and, and such, mm-hmm. is is a way, is the best possible way to do that, right? So like we have programs at CFACT, we, we work a lot with Turning Point USA, we work with Young Americans for Liberty, we have our Dreesen Fellows program, we have campus networks all over the place. We This is what we do. We teach people about the environment. And, you know, we'll go on to campuses and speak. We'll go, we'll have individual chapters of, like I said, either CFACT affiliated groups or CFACT students themselves hosting events. You know, the key here is education. And if people are genuinely interested, they're either interested in the environment because it's some sort of a... Um, because they're interested in the environment or they're interested in it because it's become somewhat of a religion to them, which it has for a lot of the radical Mm -hmm. left. Um, You know, and at the end of the day, you're only going to win so many of that second group over, but the first group, the people that actually want to make change and and get involved, they're the ones that are going to be listening to rational facts. So if you can be rational and present, okay, just sort of debunk their arguments, it takes time, but if you can be rational and do that, then just be patient, be calm, be cool and collected and, and know your facts and you'll be able to do it. I mean, I've, I've seen it happen dozens of times. There's plenty of smart kids out there that have woken up from the lies essentially that are told by the environmentalist left. Hmm. That's good. That's really refreshing to hear. I think sometimes mm-hmm. people get discouraged when they do talk to her, to their liberal friends because they're thinking, oh, well, they're not going to, I'm not going to change their mind. They're so entrenched. But it's always really encouraging to hear people do change their minds. People do, people change their minds a lot. People are a lot smarter than people give them credit for, you know, and than other people give them credit for, I should say. I've definitely thought about this um, with some of my liberal friends where it's like, ah, oh, they're kind of, they're kind of gone. But then, you know, a couple of years later, we touch base and it's like, hey, you know, listen, this, some, this or that life event happened, or I read this book, or I read this article, or I talked to this person. And, you know, now I'm now I'm kind of either I'm a total conservative, you know, or I'm on or I'm kind of on, on the fence, or I'm a libertarian or whatever it was. And 
you know, that, that type of stuff does happen pretty frequently. So you just gotta be, you just, you just gotta be patient with people and, and be assured in your facts and be well-read and, you know, and that's how, that's how you deal with it. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. All right. So last question before we get to the questions of the listeners and okay. As you know, everyone listening and Bob, we are in the middle of the most interesting election. I guess it's still going on. Um, (laughs) that has ever, I mean, half of my Facebook is celebrating and dancing. The other half is saying, we still have so much time. It's not over. Don't give up. So technically, I guess we don't really have a president elect yet. I, I don't know. I don't want to say either way, but let's say um, we do not have a president elect yet. And President Trump goes to the Supreme Court and it turns out there was so much fraud that he won. How does the plan change combating combating um, climate change versus the Supreme Court stuff all happens and there wasn't that much fraud and Biden won. What are some of the two differences? What are things, um, how is it going to look? So first of all, I have to start with the disclaimer. CFACT is a 501c3. And as a result, we can't lose, we can't, and, and we do not endorse political candidates for office. We don't endorse legislative agenda items, anything that, Anything like that, we can't endorse anything on the ballot, so we can't support either Trump or Biden or any of the third-party candidates, frankly. Otherwise, we lose our tax-exempt status, and okay, so no that's very bad. But we can't stuff. do that. But what, but what we can do, we can obviously. I just I just had to throw that disclaimer out there. Of course, uh, so of course. in terms of in terms of the um, in terms of what the Trump administration has done, you know, Trump has. Trump has halted a lot of the craziness with regards to the Clean Air Act. The left wants to overregulate a lot of that type of stuff. Um, they really want to get crazy with that. And, and at some level, you know, we have to at some point we have to say, you know what, the air is clean enough and it's it's good as it is. And we've got to be a little bit more. Um, we've got to be a little bit kinder to some of the coal miners and, and what have you out there. Um, Trump has also been Trump has also been. He's he's also been he's been pretty fair on environmental policy. Um, he's been, like I said, the Clean Air Act. He's been fine on a lot of the um, he's tried to stop the Green New Deal, which is a big problem. Um, he really is. And, and the biggest thing with Trump is he's recognized that he is going to and, can you know, if he if he wins again, he will continue to cut the regulatory code, which is how a lot of the environmental left tends to tends to get in and sort of crush these small businesses and business owners and what have you. Um, you know, look at the regulation cuts from Trump. It's been, I think, 16 to one um, in terms of new regulations cut to new regulations added. That's not just an environmental issue, but it does touch the environment a lot because that's how, again, that sort of executive orders, that's executive orders are what he's cutting. And a lot of them have to deal with environmental issues. So he recognizes that there's a key problem there. Um, has he been good on? Has he been great on environmental issues? No. There's there's times that he's dropped the ball, but you know, overall, President Trump has been market friendly towards the environment. He he has a better approach in a lot of ways than than definitely than the radical left does, uh, as opposed to Joe Biden, who you know he wants to ban fracking first of all. And he wants to, you know, he's 
Kamala Harris was a supporter of the Green New Deal for a period of time. Um, and so that's, you know, we don't know. I mean, she's sort of blowing in the wind a little bit. But Joe definitely is not in favor of fracking, which fracking is a phenomenal thing um, for our environment, for our jobs, for our people. It's 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 good just overall. We'll um, get into that next. Keep going. <laughs> and, you know, so I think that that would be that's something to worry about with Joe. Um, and then I think that, you know, again, he's he's going to use the power of the government to overregulate on environmental issues. And it's going to be ultimately more harmful to the environment because anytime more regulation hurts the environment more than anything. Um, and you know, that's just, that's something that that's the road that he's going to go down. So it goes down to philosophy, right? So Trump is, Trump is in favor of cutting regulations and he's in favor of, as a result, that tends to be better for the environment. Biden leans on the overregulation side and that's not good for either the environment or for our businesses or for anything. Okay. Well, everyone, um, no matter who wins, now we know like where yeah. the environment, uh, where environmental legislation, I guess is the word I'm looking for, will go in what direction. Mm. And I think that's really important, especially those of you who are voting uh, based on that, who truly care about those um, type of things. I think it's important to know which way the country could lean um, and who would, I guess, fit your best interest. So thank you for that. Um, so next is the questions from listeners. Everyone, thank you so much for submitting your questions. There were a lot, and there was a lot of repeat questions. The number one repeated question was what Bob was talking about a couple seconds ago is fracking. So what exactly is fracking and what? why is it good? So... Fracking is as defined, it's defined as the process of injecting liquid at high pressure into subterranean rocks, boreholes, and etc. So as to force open existing fissures and extract natural oil or natural gas. It's called hydraulic fracking. And in general, it's just a really it's 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 a it's a much cleaner way to extract energy from the ground um, okay. than as opposed to anything else. The, it's overall, it's, it is the number one, it's one of the cleanest ways to get um, energy out of the ground. It helps America reduce CO2 emissions, actually. In 2015, oh. CO2 emissions fell to their lowest level in 20 years, and that's largely because of fracking. Um, yeah, no, so fracking, is, a, fracking is, is good, definitely. It's good for the environment, and it creates jobs. It's um, it is much more reliable than wind and solar because you don't have to rely on well you don't have to rely on wind or the sun in order to deal with that yeah so fracking is fracking is very good so do we know why um, Joe Biden does not like it is it like does he have an explanation well he likes to claim that it's um he he likes to claim that it's not good for the environment and then it's not good for wildlife. But, um, you know, this is not, this is just not true. I mean, you know, you look at what's going on in like the Anwar region, for example, right. Where there's a lot of fracking that goes on up there. The, the deer wildlife or the population hasn't basically hasn't budged. The deer wildlife are fine. And the only people that are, it's funny because they bring up this indigenous, they, they claim that the indigenous tribes don't like it. The problem is that they bring up 
all of the indigenous tribes that don't live in the area. So none of these, um, and they get a lot of criticism from wind and solar. The problem is that pipelines and roads that service well sites for fracking and what have you, um, wind and solar, they facilitate their, their facilities are typically located a lot further away from human population centers which requires the construction of hundreds of thousands of miles of new transportation lines to bring power to the market. So they wind up wasting a lot in terms of carbon emissions and what have you. Power plants are the same thing. Um, And so as a result, fracking, what you can do is you can take the actual gear and put it right fracking on top of the actual oil supply. And because you can, it allows you to drill through the rock layers. It actually allows for much cleaner extraction of the stuff and it, it's much more efficient. It makes gas prices cheaper. It promotes American energy independence. It, um, you know, which is another big thing for our national security and a big thing that we're concerned about at CFACT is our own energy, is our national energy independence. Um, yeah. And so fracking is an issue that gets very much, it gets, it gets a lot of flack that it doesn't deserve, to be honest. Yeah, wow. That was a really good explanation. Um, mm-hmm. Wow, thank you. Um, so the next question, um, and you kind of sort of touched on this, is about the Green New Deal. Um, okay. What are, I guess maybe say two things about it, just I guess maybe two comments about like what you think is um, not good. And then if there's anything that is actually like, okay, this is sustainable. This is good. This is a good idea. Two of those two. All right. Well, I'm going to cut to the chase on that bottom part. There's nothing really good about the Green New Deal. Uh, okay. There's there's really nothing, honestly. You know, it doesn't it doesn't actually achieve any of the ends that it wants that it claims to want to achieve, right? Okay. Um, it doesn't it it doesn't it's not going to make our country any cleaner. Uh, it basically is a Trojan horse for taking over most of the private property in the United States. Uh, it's a it's a wealth redistribution scheme that pretends it's an it's a climate and economics based scheme. I mean, Saikot Chakrabarty, AOC's chief of staff, literally literally said in a press conference or not not in a press conference. I actually think that he was maybe smart enough to say this or at least think that he was saying this behind closed doors. He said, we don't think of it as an energy thing. We think of it as a way to redesign the American economy type thing. And oh, so wow. they've admitted at this point that it's a false flag, essentially, they don't care about the economy. They don't care. Or they, well, they don't care about the economy either, but they definitely don't care about the animals and the, and the CO2 emissions that they're trying to protect. And they come out and say it in the deal. It's, it's in the actual legislation. They say that they're willing to provide funding and, and reassurance and financial assistance to people who are quote, not able or not willing to work. That's in the deal. They say this, explicitly. So, you know, it's, it's basically, it's a Trojan horse, you know? Um, and again, the the only way that we can look at the only way that you can really look at, if you look objectively throughout history, the best way to preserve the environment and preserve the, preserve the animals and what have you is by, is by going towards free market capitalism. I mean, I mean, you know, this lurch towards socialism. Socialist regimes are some of the most unclean countries in the world. I'll give you an example, right? Not to say that, not to compare AOC's little fantasy world to the USSR, right? But if you look at the USSR, right, which does have the same, a lot of the same economic 
uh, proposals that that she wants to put forward uh, and that are in the Green New Deal, frankly. Total emissions in the USSR in 1998 were approximately 79 percent of the United States' emissions. But the Soviet gross national product was just 54 percent of the United States' economy. So that means that the Soviet Union generated 1.5 times more pollution per measurement inst- per measurement numeral than the United States did per unit of gross national product. So, and it's the same thing everywhere else in all of these countries that AOC, to her credit, has not come out and praised the Soviet Union, but she's <laughs> praised basically every other communist country on earth. Um, you know, Cuba, Venezuela, all of these places are just, are just disasters for the environment. And, you know, when you are saying something like that, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I don't understand why they would want to lurch leftward. You know, either they haven't read or they, or they have read and they're deliberately misconstruing the facts, which is my belief about this. I think, so I think there's two types of people really quick to touch on what you just said. I think there's people who deliberately are trying to bring us into a socialist society because they want to cause harm. And then I think there are people who are just like, well, let's try one more time. We haven't done it. Let us see if we could do it. We could do it perfectly. And in their heart of hearts, they think they're doing the right thing and they have the best of intentions, but the execution is just awful. And I think that, yeah. Socialism is the God that failed. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. And, and, People are going to keep going back to the well time and again because, you know, what's the old saying? Uh, Christians go to heaven, socialists go to communism. You know, <laughs> there's always this That's idealism funny. that about about the socialist dream that allows for you to escape the confines of reality and believe that, oh, well, this can work this time. And that's something that, you know, just isn't borne out by scientific facts or by data or by anything. And it definitely doesn't make the environment a cleaner place. Again, like I said, yeah, all you have to do is look at countries like Angola, right, that have or, you know, the Congo or any of these other places. The Congo is probably the best example with what they've done with the with the um, the silverback gorilla population in that country. Um, you know, just the pure corruption has has nearly decimated it. Um, and this is just that these are, these are failed policies that we can't replicate here in the United States. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for explaining the green new deal really quick, because Mm -hmm. I personally, I mean, I hadn't been paying attention to it. I knew the, um, the statement about not willing to work because I mean, every commentator and their grandmother has talked about it, Um, but I didn't know some of the other stuff. So I really appreciate that. And I think everybody listening um, that isn't as well informed about the environment. I think that was a really good description. Um, A quick summary, but really good description. Uh, Oh, sorry. They want to take specifically, they want to refit every single building in the United States so that it's carbon neutral and so that it can can fit into carbon confines. I mean, every single building is going to have to go through this if they if they do put this forward. That's going to cost trillions and trillions of dollars. I think I think there was an estimate that said it was going to cost about sixty three trillion dollars. I, I believe oh there was it was some figure like that. You know, when we're twenty five trillion dollars in debt already, essentially, 
what is that? I mean, how are you going to pay for this? Yeah. I don't know. It's so it's 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 really 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 dangerous this thing. Um and it's just a, like I said, it's there's no way that an environmentalist can read this and think that it's sane. You have to look at this and say, well, this is just a this is a this is a attempt that is pretty naked by the left to just engage in a power grab. And they are demagoguing this issue so that they can do so by by scaring people like your like your family members that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And that's you, the, that's just sorry, heartbreaking. Yeah. Really quick, do you think that um if a leftist administration takes over that we could see the green new deal or do you think it's just so outlandish that everybody who's in charge other than AOC, I guess, can see that it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know the answer that's to that scary. truth be told. And and that's, and that is scary. Um, I'd like to think that the majority of people out there are commonsensical enough to say, well, we'll reject this so that, so whoever does wind up in power is disincentivized from enacting this. But I don't know, you know, and that's too big of a potential problem to just completely disregard. Yeah. And it's too it's too big of a problem to write off, essentially, and say, oh, well, they'll never do this because they might. And if we yeah. fail the 95-5 test here, then that is such a big problem that, you know, we can't afford to take the risk. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm kind of a a little conspiracy theorist. So I'm just thinking like, why would mm. someone come up with this idea unless they're doing it on purpose? Because they're like, oh, this is so crazy. No one's going to agree. So then maybe they'll throw something else. that's like a little bit less crazy. And because we're like, okay, who at least it's not the crazy thing. That's what we're doing. But I don't know. Like, I'm just, this sounds so crazy and outlandish. I just can't imagine like someone sane and normal putting forth this idea and expecting people to follow along with it. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I hope that, I don't know. I, I mean, it's just, know. it's so scary, honestly, the potential ramifications of how bad this thing could be, not just for our economy, but for the environment as well, that it's, we just, we can't afford to, we can't afford to have this possibly in the realm of reality. Yeah. Oh man. Scary things. Okay. Um, next question. Um, someone asked about factory farming. Um, Mm -hmm. I honestly don't really know what that is. So maybe can you just explain what it is and like, is it a good thing, a bad thing? So factory farming is, is, is just wholesale production of things like chickens and what have you. Uh, it's, it's a pretty common phenomenon. Uh, they're trying to make it a lot cleaner right now. But I mean, factory farming is the whole, is the largest producer of it, it's. I believe it's the largest consumer of water. One of the largest consumers of water of any sector out there. Oh, um, really? So, yeah, no, they they are they're they need a lot of water, especially on places like chicken farms and stuff like that. That's that's a um, that's a big potential environmental issue. Um, but again, you know, listen, if it's if it's occurring on a free market scale, then, you know, that's not necessarily 
the worst thing in the world. Large-scale farming, it uses the most water of any fuel source. I'm sorry. I'm just looking through my notes here. That's, that is what it is. Um, it uses the largest, it uses the most water of any fuel source. So, but again, if it's, if it's market incentivized, you know, there's ways to ultimately bring that consumption down using, using the tools of the free market. And if that's the case, then we're not necessarily against that. Um, so I don't know, you know, factory farming is one of those things. I, I don't know that I think it's so, I, I don't think it's going away, but there are ways to make it cleaner through market, uh, market resources. Yeah. And I think one of the things is, um, so if I'm understanding this correctly, it's basically, have you seen King Corn or like, uh, what was the other movie? I haven't seen that in a while now. Well, it's like this movie that talks about how um, they give animals, these big farms, and they give animals all this corn and everything. And um, from, I mean, that's basically it, like a farm with a bunch of animals and they're like trying to feed them, get them as big as possible to reproduce more to sell them, right? Basically, that's it. I mean, I, I again, I'm not necessarily an expert on that specific issue. Okay. Um, well, I think. Uh, from from what it sounds like, I think that's a little bit of. I think that that's not a totally unfair description. Again, I think I think that you know when it comes to you know just making like I said, like there's there's a lot of lies that get told out there about factory farming, um, like you know those documentaries they make about like the McDonald's farms and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I have friends of mine who are farmers who would say that that's completely ridiculous. Of course, they care about their animals. It's not like they're just making them fat for no reason. And they're not going to like to these guys credit. They're not burning up the environment for no reason. They're not, they're not, they're definitely not overusing water. That's not happening, but they just, they're naturally just by, by their very operational perspective, there are, they consume a lot of water in order to conduct their resources or to conduct their business. Now, that being said, I don't want to, you know, so I don't I don't know enough about the issue, frankly, to say, well, they should be doing this or they should be doing that to, to cut it down. And I'm not going to sit here and armchair quarterback, but right. I also am not going to bet at CFAC. We don't like to bet against the you know, we don't like to bet against the potential for the human mind to solve these issues. Ultimately, that's the fail safe when it comes to, like you said earlier, the um, the 12 years issue, even if that were a modicum of truth. Human beings are the smartest. They, they, God gifted us with our minds, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we have, we have this incredible ability to overcome anything, frankly. And when you limit the capital on the, when you short capital, when you short the human mind like that, you know, I think that that's a really dangerous thing. And so, you know, I don't want to bet against capitalism. I don't want to bet against the, like I said, bet against the human mind because any sort of problem we have out there, whether it's water production issues on or water consumption issues on factory farms or, you know, figuring out how to prevent the sky from falling in 10 minutes, like Beto O'Rourke says it will. Um, it seems to be, you know, we as a species are capable of figuring it out. We've overcome bigger problems than anything that we've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking in my head um you were saying about the market solutions i think that there definitely is 
a market because I know that um, my mom is trying to be super healthy. So she'll get grass fed beef and things mm-hmm. like that. So there is a way to like, if, if it bothers people, there is a way to do it. Like you said, mar- free market I, solutions. There is a market for it. I mean, and if you've ever met farmers, you know, that there's one thing that they're not doing and it's, there's two things they're not doing. It's first of all, they're not, they're not, putting their animals through unnecessary stress or abuse or any of that. They're treating them with the utmost respect because first of all, they're raised to love their animals and they're raised to treat their animals right. And second of all, if the animal gets tainted in any way, then that could affect the actual food product that goes out. So I don't mm-hmm. think that it's any anything with the farmers. But I do think that it's kind of interesting because you do have a pretty large farm lobby in places like California, right, where I'm from. Um, yeah. One of the big things that a lot of people don't recognize is that it's the California farmers unions, not unions may not be the proper word, but it's the, it's the collectives that are, or that are arguing on behalf of them in the, in the California state assembly that give more funding to politicians than anything else. When we went through the water drought in California, right, you could get, I actually had a friend of mine show me this. He showed me a barrel, not a barrel, uh, a gallon of water. And he said, I can get this. Here's the problem. I can get this for like a cent or something like that because of all of the subsidies that the state puts behind it. But, you know, so, of course, people are incentivized to there is a political incentive in certain states to overuse water because of the fact that there's so much subsidy behind it. And that's something that we can't stand at CFAC. We're trying to get government out of people's lives and get government out of out of the business of being involved in stuff like that because it is wasteful to see all that water used and look at the environmental impact that that had in California. I mean, with, you know, because of the lack of, uh, irrigation water, that was one of the things that leads to, those are some of the things that leads to a, the droughts and b the wildfires, how many billions of dollars of damage have that done to our state? You know, that's the reason here's, here's something that that farmer also taught me. Um, he pulled up a drinking water and he said, you know why we never ran out of this? Because drinking water has a price because it's not subsidized to all hell from the government. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we don't have a major, um, you know, there's not some major subsidy behind it. So as a result, when the demand is, when, when the supply is low, the price rises a lot more naturally. So, it's not like the, it's not like you're artificially suppressing the price like you are with subsidies, which is why a lot of the big farms out there tend to the sort of big farm industry does tend to sometimes overuse waters. Individual farmers aren't doing it, but that's but the, the larger farms, larger scale farms out there sometimes do because they have the they don't have an incentive to keep it. Hmm. Okay. 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 That I don't know anything about farming. So that was very informative for me. Mm-hmm. Um, neither, so, neither do I really, but I mean, I just, I talk, I have, I'm blessed to be able to sometimes talk to people that do. And a really quick note on that. I think that's, what's really important and what will help us as Americans is like, so I don't know anything about farming. So the only way I will learn something about farming is from talking to an actual farmer. So I can understand where they're coming from on certain things. And like when they vote for things, um, I don't understand why, because what they do and what I do are on completely different scales. But the only way to understand why this is important to someone is to have actual conversations. 
And unfortunately, I feel like we just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so time is running low, but I do want to okay. ask you like three more questions and then like the two All right. most important questions. So maybe try to keep the answer short and I'll just have you back on because I'm sure everyone's going to want to ask you more and this will be, I know this will be a very popular episode. Okay, so the next question, a really quick, are what are there are there any um, conservative free market renewable energy sources ideas? Would that be the fracking? And is that something? Um, well, you know, the the real way to talk about this from a free market perspective is to just say, let's limit the government power and let the market decide which is the most efficient and which is the most efficient and the most clean, and the market will do that. I mean. All of those programs and environmental resources out there like fuel, oil and, you know, natural gas, um, wind, solar, it's all it all has its place. It's just that we don't want the government to come in and oversubsidize it. You know, we don't want to have the government subsidizing one individual thing because then that's unfair. Um. So the free market, the conservative way to say this would be, OK, well, let's just let the let let the get the government out of the business and then let the market decide which one people should be consuming. OK, that's a great answer. Um, mm-hmm. So next one, what are some and I actually got this more than once as well. What actually? No, sorry. Let me do this other one first. Um, okay. How are humans impacting the environment is or maybe there's a bunch of ways maybe can you just give like the top two or three well i would say that our impact is something that the scientists out there sort of disagree on right this is this is part of the whole point of cfact is that you know there are a lot of scientists out there there's plenty of scientists out there that are getting all kinds of deals on on left-wing talk circuits and stuff like that that'll say well you know well we're we're gonna we're the reason that the world is ending but there's plenty of scientists out there that also disagree you know at cfact our big thing is okay well let's let's you know science isn't made by consensus so let's figure out how to get all of those scientists like i said which include the left-wing guys but they also include the guys that the left doesn't want to include like lomberg and shellen or and um schellenberg into those conversations so you know, I, I would say it's sort of it's a little bit TBD. I mean, we probably do have an impact on it, but it's it's, you know, at the end of the day, human impact on that by when you look at all of the science, all of the data, human impact on on climate change has been fairly marginal. And the over regulation, the over the attempt to sort of go out and quash all human impact. The effect is going to be marginal on everybody but the actual humans that it's impacting. And that's where it's going to be cataclysmic because the freedom that is going to be lost to gain some marginal little benefit is it's, it's, it's not even close to worth it. So then um, this leads to like the next question are there things that we could do to help though? Um, and this is the one I got so many, so many questions, people asking this. Sure. No, of course there's things that you can do to help. You can, you can, you know, be, try to just, first of all, I would say again, not to plug for my own group, but <laughs> we do a lot of research at CFACT that can determine a lot of that stuff. Um, get involved on your campuses by talking about this type of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, littering is bad. Don't be, don't, don't be doing that type of stuff. Pick, make, 
So we just did this thing recently with some of our networks where they went out into a bunch of the local um, natural parks and stuff like that and picked up there and picked up trash and did trash cleanups. We love doing that type of stuff. It's a lot of fun. The kids always love doing it. So that's one thing that you could do if you if you've got something if you've got a weekend or something like that and it's COVID permitting, um, you know, just go out with a couple of your friends and it's really beautiful out there, you know, or take yourself out and have a podcast or something like that, and you know, pick up a pick up some litter, pick up some trash. Um, there are ways to just live 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 an environmentally conscious life. You know, like I said, make sure to recycle, make sure to do all that type of stuff. That's all fine. Um, those would be my record. And then come and, you know, do some more research on it at places like CFACT and places like um, Alex Epstein's book. And there's a lot of other places there that you can look into. Okay. Um, well, that's it for the questions from the listeners. Just there's so many more guys. Thank you guys so much. But we really just don't have the time. You guys like the shorter episodes and this is already a long one. Um, really quick though, Bob, can you tell us how, um, to get more involved with your organization? Sure. So there's a website, right? We have a website called cfactcampus.org. Um, and that's one of the best ways that you can get involved there. Just look on that. My contact information should be on there. Uh, my, my boss, my field director, Adam, he's on there. Um, we have our Dreesen fellows program that we encourage people to apply for. Um, it, it pays you to basically write on campus and, and help organize conservative free market students on campus. Ooh, um, hear that paid. There's all kinds of ways to get involved from there. You can, you can get, you can request one of us to do a speaker's tour. I'm, ac- I'm actually going on tour in the spring to, um, promote this event called capitalism is sustainable. And I'm going, I've so far, I've already spoken at university of central Florida, I've spoken at University of Georgia. Uh, I've got a bunch of other gigs lined up, like I said, for the spring, but I would love to come speak on all of the campuses of all the people out there. And frankly, it's not even just campuses. If it's, if, if it's Republican women's groups, if it's anything like that, you know, I'm, I'm happy to come out in my capacity and try to educate you on that. Um, but like I said, and then if you want to do, if you're more interested in sort of the research angle of it, you can just go to cfact.org and then that's where all of our policy analysts put up columns and you can find a lot of links to a lot of stuff like the books that we promote. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of cool stuff on there. There's all kinds of cool, cool goodies that I'm sure that your listeners would love now. Okay, great. So then um, that could also be the place where they could just go have a central area to get more information about these topics from the conservative free market perspective exactly and you can apply for our Dreesen fellows program too okay well that's great thank you so much bob for coming on and doing this and i really 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 think i mean i learned stuff so i think everybody listening learned some stuff too i really appreciate it hey thank you for having me i would be uh i'll be happy to come back on anytime you guys want Yay, thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much. Um, Don't forget, we are still accepting donations for um, 
the tampons and pads for my local women's shelter and also to get some merch it's on the website they make really cute christmas christmas gifts and such um but yeah thanks everybody for listening and you'll hear from me again later next week bye Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram, at thoseothergirlspodcast, and on Twitter, at TOG underscore podcast. Those Other Girls, changing culture and bringing back traditional values.